Welcome to Navigating Change with Shane and Mike. Across from me is Shane Bishop. My name is Mike Wooten. We're happy to have you join us. Well, in the aftermath of the presidential election, the holidays just around the corner, what will help you navigate it through it all? Love. Love is at the center of our Christian faith. And in this episode, Shane and I will talk about what love is and what love is not. Our conversation is based off of Shane's blog, When Love Finds Its Proper Place, Everything Else Will Too. You can find the blog at RevShaneBishop.com. Shane, how are you today? Well, I am well, and, and we're recording this actually before the presidential election. I mean, I hate to let that out, but I feel it's important to, to point that out. So even as you say that, we it feels kind of weird. It's, it's like a shift in time. It's like when yeah. people hear this, they'll already know how things turned out. But as we, speak, as we speak, we have no idea how it's all going to turn out. Is it kind of like eschatological politics? Is that what we're doing here, Mike? No, I just knew it wasn't going to be released till after the presidential election, Shane. So I just thought I'd give it a shot, pretending that, you know, the day that it came out is like we just did it. It's fresh, minty. <laughs> smells minty fresh. Smells. Speaking of smells, uh, you walked in my office and you said it smells like coffee. Yeah, it smelled better than usual. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't ever smell bad in here. It's not. It's, I never walk in your office and think, man, he must have yeah. just had a wildebeest in here. It's <laughs> yeah. never like that. But today it, it had a discernible scent, and I didn't know exactly what it was, but it was pleasant. Yeah, yeah, it's coffee. I also have one of those scentsy things in here we've talked about before. So I got... Apple. So what kind of what kind of flavor of scentsy do you burn? Now, do you call it flavor or scents? I don't. Maybe it's scents. I don't it's know. Scent. Yeah. Well, I don't I wouldn't know say I'm part of the scentsy crowd in any kind of uh, well, vernacular way. I don't way. mean just in general, like with candles, because my wife does the same thing. She always says flavor, but I always think, isn't it really scent? It probably is a scent because okay. flavor would be something you taste. Yeah. Scent would be something you smell. Are you tasting these scentsies? I just no. need to ask. No. No. Well, no. I, I haven't either. They smell awfully good. So I got apple pie in there right now. All right. Shane, I, I like apple, uh, excuse me, I like baked goods. Okay. And so for mine, I would prefer to, I, I like it to smell like a bakery in my office. All right. All right. And yeah. I've got something I, I use called Dear Watson. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know what it smells like. Yeah. Maybe it smells like Sherlock Holmes's office. <laughs> I, I don't know, but I, I like it. It's got a, uh, you know, I was going to say it has a masculine smell, but I don't even know what that means. I don't know. All I can tell you is I don't want any type of flowers or perfume in my Ah, and so I, there you go. So that I know that for sure, and I, and like I said, I prefer some type of bakery bakery smell, whatever that means. Well, so, it did smell good in here. Well, I really appreciate that. Well, Shane, today we're going to talk about uh, love today, which is really at the center of our Christian faith. You did a blog. It was based off of 1 Corinthians 13. We encourage people to go check it out at refshanebishop.com. But what we did is we just took a couple points of what love is not and what love is. And uh, we're just going to dive into those together. Any uh, thoughts before we get in there, Shane? No, but this, I think getting this right is probably the single most important thing in life. I mean, you know, we had, we got opinions on all kinds of stuff and opinions are like noses. Everybody has one and they're good for nothing but counting. But love, if we can get love right, yeah. uh, we've, we've kind of solved the 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 equation of the whole of life. I, I can't think of anything more important we could be talking about than love. Well, before we get into what love is, let's kind of deconstruct and say what love is not. From your blog, the first thing you say love is not is, and it comes from 1 Corinthians 13, is basically love is not boastful or proud. It's not boastful or proud. Uh, what do you think about that, Shane? 
being pride is, is proud is about me. Being boastful is about me. You know, when people boast, what I hear them saying, they may be saying, well, I won this or I, I accomplished this. What I hear them saying is I'm so absolutely insecure that I've got to point out any accomplishments I may have so you don't think I'm completely lame. And so for me, mm. love is not boastful. Love doesn't have to say how great I am. I, I love the idea that, you know, if, if, if you know somebody uh, just a little bit and you're not in love and you're on a date, you're going to talk about yourself. If you're truly in love, you're going to talk about them. Mm. And so love is not boastful. Love isn't about me. It's about the object of my beloved. Yeah, I heard people say, I heard someone say one time that pride is a disease and humility is the antidote. Pride is the disease and the humility is the antidote. I like that. I had a professor, I think I talked to him about him before. He had quite the name. He was at Asbury College. His name was Owen Dickens. I like it. Owen Dickens, right? And uh, he, I just absolutely loved him as a professor. And I had a ton of Old Testament classes with him. And I, was, I would always sit and listen to him semester after semester, just kind of amazed at his biblical knowledge of the Old Testament. In fact, I think he went to like a Jewish rabbinic seminary. Okay. And I remember him kind of talking about when he went there, he, all these students had so much more knowledge just yeah. at the introductory level. But in one of my last classes with him, he was just writing on the board one day. And off the cuff, he said, uh, you know, the older I get, the, reali- the more I realize I don't know that much about the Bible. The older I get, the more I realize I don't know that much about the Bible. And I remember, like, not being able to grasp anything he was saying in that moment because, you know, I'd taken, like, eight college Old <laughs> Testament classes, Shane. I took a little bit of Hebrew. I thought I knew it. Yeah, time. right. You're and on then it. We, then we had this tenured professor up there saying that he doesn't know about much about the Bible. And I did think it was, it was a sincere moment of humility yeah. and a, a sincere moment of perspective. And, and I think it kind of invited me into that fact, knowing that I didn't know much then. And as much as I would learn, uh, yeah, there's still a lot more to learn. Yeah, I think in the middle part of, of my career, I think I often focused on what I knew and what I thought I had to offer. Now, I, I think I'm a little bit more aware of what I don't know. And, and maybe part of what I don't know is some of what I have to offer. Hmm. Uh, what, what, I, what I know is, is, is me saying, okay, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the authority, I'm, I'm the jug, you're a mug, I'll just pour it out. I'll pour my incredible knowledge into your mugs. Yeah. Uh, I think that next step is kind of, you know X amount, but you can't know everything. And I guess as I get older, I'm more in touch with just the wonder of things beyond my knowledge. Right. And then I find myself comf- uh, somewhat awed by that. And it's a more humility. It's a more humbling state than thinking you know everything. Now, you almost said comfortable because I was going to use that word before. Do you think it's com- like you become comfortable with oh, you I was don't say know? Comforting. Comforting. Oh, okay. It's comforting. Okay. To know you don't know everything. Oh, yeah. Like, because then not, it's not all on your shoulders. It's shoulder not all on or, you. Or, it, it, the pressure isn't your way. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just not there. Yeah. That's, that's really good. Well, love is, uh, it is not boastful or proud, that's for sure. All right, what else is love not? It's not rude. Sometimes rude, I think, especially growing up, I thought rude was always fun. When you're rude, it was funny. It's like a type of humor. But love, biblically, it is not rude. Rude is, is arrogance. It's, it's a type of arrogance that says my time is more important than your time. Uh, what I want is more important than what you want. Rude people talk when they should be listening. They cut in the line because they think their yeah. their 
time is more important than all those right. people that are standing behind them. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, I probably struggle more with rude people than I do anybody else in, in yeah. the whole world because just what they bring into yeah. the mix. So I would say that, you know, being boastful and being prideful, rude is just kind of how those things act in gotcha. public. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, it damages relationships right away, right? The other thing, you've st- shared a story before. I think you were in a meeting a long time ago and someone had a really good point, but the, where, the way they were sharing it was very rude. Isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah, I, this person was in a in a meeting, and it was a fairly important meeting, and they had something to say, but they shared it in, in a way no one could hear it. And I just stopped when they were done. I said, would you mind rephrasing that in a way that doesn't offend all of us? Because I honestly think you've got a good point yeah. here. And you know what? The person backed up, rephrased it, and uh, mm-hmm. actually had something to offer. But I think sometimes being rude it's somewhat of a, a natural sinful state. Mm. And to not be rude, I think we have to somewhat watch ourselves. Amen. All right. The next thing that love is not is irritable. It is not irritable. Uh, love isn't in a bad mood at all, is it, Shane? Well, it, I, I think irritability is something we really have to fight. I think this pandemic, isolation makes yeah. people irritable. 24-hour news makes me irritable. Uh, reading some things make me irritable. Yeah. Being around some people make me irritable. The fact is, as I get older, I just have to fight irritability. Sure. You know, I just don't want to be like, like an emu, like an emu yeah. in an Australian hotel. Yeah. And so I'm always trying. I have a story to, about that. Uh, yeah, but it, <laughs> it's amazing. But I'm always <laughs> having to sort of temper that down a little bit because I, I think sometimes as you get a little older, you get less patient. With okay. some things, sure. it, it's funny. You get you're, you're plenty patient with your grandkids, and then you're less patient with everything else. <laughs> and I don't know how that happens, but it does. Yeah. But I do think we have to to watch that. Yeah, for me, I, I actually had a little bit of a, I guess you could say, testimony or a little thing God was shifting in me about a year ago in a class we had to do for one of my uh, classes uh, I'm taking a rule of life. And if you don't know what the rule of life is, it's kind of like a it's basically like turns into a spiritual discipline type of thing that works into your schedule so you can have relational rhythms and kind of connect with Jesus. And and uh, it's supposed to change from time to time and, and all of that. Well, I did one of those for this class and is asking you all these deep questions, trying to figure out where you need to grow spiritually. Yeah. And uh, for me, I went through the process. And one of the things that was coming up is that uh, I is that I had irritability. I had some irritability, and what they connected that to was uh, a lack of self-control. And I was like, what are you talking about, a lack of self-control? Uh, but Because I'd always think about a lack of self-control, someone like flying off the handle or, or yelling or someone who's like overeating or indulging themselves and making bad decisions. But the study was saying that if you get overly irritable, and it shows in some type of way, it means that you're lacking self-control. And so for me last year, uh, I think it was just stress stuff going on. I realized that, oh, okay, I need to do something, put it into my spiritual rhythm to yeah. kind of change things. So what I did, uh, you know, uh, people may not know this, we have four services on a Sunday, and, and so we'll do communion every four to six weeks, and we'll do communion a whole lot. But it was in that moment of doing communion before I would take partake, I would kind of just say a prayer and just ask for kind of the peace of God and self-control in those moments. But it was a way to kind of incorporate it in. But I did find it fascinating for me in my journey last year with the irritability uh, that there was a self-control connected to that. 
You know, it's kind of interesting. If you look at it medically, let's say somebody has irritable bowels. Okay. It's a lack of self-control. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not pretty. No, you're right. That's very and, good. And irritability yeah. emotionally and intellectually is not pretty either. Yeah. You know, I think I think irritability is a tension to be managed, uh, probably more than a problem to be solved because we're all going to get irritable. I've noticed with you, Mike, when you are a little more irritable, you're, you're a little shorter. You, you get a little shorter, but you tend to just remove yourself. When, when you're getting a little irritable, you just disappear. <laughs> is that something you've kind of learned over your <laughs> lifetime? Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I just know word, I, you know, and I think you've heard me say this before, you know, words matter. Relationships matter. And, and I've just been, I can tell you growing up, uh, not really my direct family, but I've been, I was around some people that would just say things that I just know would just have like a reverberation in people's lives for decades, especially young. And I do think I saw that happen maybe with friends and other situations and maybe adults can handle it better, yeah. but I, you can't take words back. And, and, and so, uh, yeah, so that's something I just think, you know, I value. My mother taught me a lot about not hurting people, if I'm just going to be honest with you. Don't hurt others with your words. Uh, and so I think all that kind of combined is, is a reason why I'm like, you know what, I just got to remove myself from this. Yeah, and I've kind of gotten the same way, too. I remember when I was a young pastor, I was really frustrated about something. My secretary walked in. And I said, you know what? I pity the next fool that wants to step in here and yank my chain. Because I was ready for somebody to step yeah. in because I was ready to unload. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was just ready to unload. And it's like the word the, the Lord spoke to me and said, go home. You are not fit to be around humans. Right. And I think we learned wisdom for that. I, yeah. I've always had a thing. If I, if I say something I shouldn't, if I accidentally hurt someone, I apologize. Yeah. Uh, I've always tried to eat crow when it is is appropriate because yeah. it reminds me that that I, I have done damage and yeah. I need to be accountable sure. for that. And, and over the years, if, if you make yourself yeah. eat crow when you say dumb stuff, yeah. there gets to be a point if you can tell you're about to say yeah. dumb stuff, you just leave. And I think a balance for and, and I think a balance for all of it is sometimes in, in relationships stuff stuff is said. You can't always like right. just walk away. Sometimes like, oh I shouldn't have said it, I should have said it better, that I would that would have been better. And apologies have to come up. But I think in the real heated moments, mm-hmm. you know, when, when I'm personally really annoyed, just need to get out. Uh, and that's kind of what I do. Well, I was, uh, here's, an, here's, we're going to move to what love is, Shane. And I got a, one of my favorite stories of yours that I think will relate to this. Cause the first thing is truth. Uh, what love is, is truth loving. And I was thinking about your old, uh, associate pastor, Ralph and the cigarette story. Yeah. Cause he, didn't he, uh, need to share some truth that day? That was great. That was great. This is the early days at Christ Church. Had an associate pastor named Ralph Philippi. Ralph was probably in his 70s. Ralph's pretty hard-nosed, old-style holiness guy. You know, kind of came up out of the holiness movement. He was a, a straight-up center, carpenter, hard-living guy. Jesus got a hold of him, changed his life around. And he he had no tolerance for people who didn't have their life changed around. He, and Ralph could get a little irritable. So uh, one Sunday I was gone, and I asked Ralph to preach. And you never quite knew how it was going to go when Ralph preached. Well, apparently... Uh, some, some things kind of went south. And so I got a phone call. Uh, this is back a uh, long time ago. I got a phone call and somebody said, did you hear about Ralph's sermon? And I said, no. And they said, well, they said he kind of went off on one. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, he, he kind of went off on smoking cigarettes. 
And he was just kind of pounding on it. And finally, he said he just didn't know how any saved person could smoke cigarettes. And they said he was really hitting it pretty hard. And all of a sudden, they said this great big guy in the front stood up in the middle of his sermon and started waving a pack of cigarettes. He walked up front, slammed the cigarettes down on the altar, and walked out. I mean, just unbelievable. And I called, I called Ralph later that day, and I said, Ralph, can I not be gone even one Sunday without you causing a riot? And I, I said, Ralph, think about all of that. If you had to do that over again, what would you have said to that guy when he did that? And Ralph thought for a minute. And he said, I think I would have told him the altar was the other direction. <laughs> you know, Ralph had a very clear sense of, of truth. Mm. And, and if you want to huff and puff and threaten to blow his house down, it really didn't waver his truth at all. And so when I think about love, it just loves the truth, man. Yeah. I think we're in a day when, when a lot of people find the truth negotiable. Yeah. But uh, I, I don't think love does. No, I absolutely agree. That's one of my favorite stories of yours, by the way, with uh, Reverend Ralph. All right, here's what the next thing uh, love is, and that is kind. It treats others well. It is kind. And I have a quick story uh, about that, about kindness, because I think biblical kindness has nothing to do with weakness. It's really biblical kindness is selfless. It's compassionate. It's merciful. And uh, I think it's the greatest power of us revealed in the love of enemies and amongst the least yeah. of these. I also think kindness can reveal a deeper character in a, a person. I was getting to know a family uh, a couple of years back who was, uh, I was about to bury their father, uh, husband. He was about, he was in his 70s. His name was George and he passed away. And when I was talking to his wife, Debbie, preparing for the funeral, she kept coming back how kind George was. That George was just a kind man and made me, she kept saying it. I kind of said, you know, when did you first see that kindness? And the first time she saw that kindness in her husband uh, was when they were dating. George had uh, her over uh, to his parents' house, and I guess George had a sister with Down syndrome. And uh, George started playing with his sister with Down syndrome, and Debbie said that the way that George, George treated his sister uh, was just it showed so clearly that he cared for her. And she said that interaction was the first time that uh, she saw kindness in George. And she said these powerful words to me that I'll never forget. She said, that's the time that I realized that this was a good man. Wow. This was a good man. And I thought, I thought wow, that's powerful. And she's testifying to his goodness about 50 years later and his kindness. And I think glimpses of kindness can show kind of someone's deeper character and speak volumes about who a person is at their core. Well, as your story so well illustrated, kindness is, is a form of beauty. Hmm. It's hmm. a form of beauty. I know when Melissa and I uh, were, were dating, one of the things that really struck me about her was how well she treated people who could never do anything for hmm. How well she treated uh, the the person that took your order at a fast food restaurant, how well she treated the, uh, the person that, that you paid for a soft drink at a gas yeah. station. Yeah. She just treated people so well. And, and at times, by, by just leaning in to kindness, she would affirm their humanity. I've seen people, Mike, 
who, who you could tell they hate their job. They're just going through the motions. Melissa would be number 17 in line. Yeah. It's just kind of like 17. And Melissa would go up and Melissa would just stand there a moment. Mm-hmm. And she would, she would say, you have the most beautiful eyes. Wow. And, and, and you could just see some, th- this, this beautiful kind gesture just unlocks this sense of humanity in somebody that I don't think was plugged into that at all. Right. And so kind of, it was one of the things that really attracted me to Melissa was how well she treated people who could never do anything for. And I think kindness gets at that. Love is kind. Love is kind. And our final point is going to be love is relentless. But when you talk about Melissa, it's funny because I see her as someone who's relentless. Absolutely. <laughs> relentless as well. So, But our final point is love is uh, relentless. It refuses to give up. What do you think about that, Shane? I think one of the, the great points of the Bible is, is you know, you, you read Genesis 1 and 2, and you got a perfect world, and then you read Genesis 3, and the whole thing goes to crap. And then you go through the whole of the Old Testament. It's hard to say in this game of shoots and ladders that things improve a whole lot. <laughs> you know, it, it really is. It, there, it's not like things are moving up and to the right. And then you get to the New Testament, and you get Jesus showing up, and all I can think about as I read the Bible is the relentless love of God. Yeah. How he refuses to give up on us. We're just dumber in a bag of hammers yeah. and, and God refuses to give up on us. And if that is the nature of God and if we are created in his image, wouldn't we at our very best have that relentless mm. love? That love that refuses to give up on others. And Mike sometimes refuses yeah. to give up on herself. Absolutely. Did, I don't know if this story applies or not. Didn't you, when you and Melissa were young, wasn't there a time you guys were kind of in an argument and you were going to leave and you kind of just sat in the car and, and said, you know, where else am I going to go? Yeah, we uh, had uh, just great. We, we got married my junior year, at the end of my junior year in college. Mm-hmm. And everybody said we couldn't. We shouldn't because, you know, I didn't have a job yet. Mm-hmm. But we just got married anyway. We, we lived in a, a tiny house trailer that used to belong to my grandma. I finally graduate college, get a job teaching uh, history and coaching baseball and basketball. But it's, it's a couple, three hours away from mm-hmm. where we lived. And so we, we settle into to our new life. You know, I'm 22. She's 21. Uh, by then, it's a, you know, we've got a, we've got a baby on the way. And, you know, you're kind of in grown-up life. And I remember that we got into a argument about something. It couldn't have been money because we didn't have any of it. So <laughs> it was an argument about something. And I remember I just got angry. And, and I just thought, I am leaving. And I go out and I get in our car. It was like a old Pontiac Le Mans, you know. And I, I went out and I, we only had one. I went out and I got in my car and I was so angry, and I, I turned the, the stereo up to about 3,000, and, and I just wanted to peel out, and I was just going to go out, and I was just going to get away from her, and I was just going to leave all this. And, and I, I got moving, and I'm going down this blacktop, and I'm thinking, I don't have anywhere to go. I, I just don't have anywhere to go. So I, I just turned around, and I, I went back home. Yeah, And I think about that old him that old gospel song where could i go mm, but to yeah, the lord and, yeah. and sometimes uh sometimes you got to wake up a little bit because you, you got nowhere to go 
Yeah, his love's relentless for us. Doesn't yeah. matter how much we push or pull, how mad we get, his love's still going to be there for us. And for it us. doesn't give up on us. And for me, that means I can't give up on others, and I can't give up on myself because God refuses to give up on me. And there's a lot of things in the Bible, Mike, that the, the clear insinuation is we can extend these difficult things to others because God extends these difficult things to us. Forgiveness, I can extend that to mm. others because God has right. extended it to me. Love, I can extend that to others because God has extended that to me. And even when we want to run away from love, uh, you really get looking around and you think, Lord, where, where else do I have to go? And that's our uh, prayer for you today. We want you to know that you are loved by God, that there's nowhere else you could go to get away from the love of God, that he truly looks upon you with favor and that he cares for you in a deep way. I want to thank you so much for listening to Navigating Change with Shane and Mike. Be sure to share and subscribe to our podcast. We'll see you next time and make sure that you keep the change.